real estate podcast we are somewhere in mid-30s for episodes so we're doing something different today we're we're in mid-october here in upstate new york so it's safe to say that we're in the midst of spooky season getting close to halloween the the leaves are changing colors falling off the trees so we're doing something different bill has his own experience with dealing with haunted houses as an investor So that's mostly what we're going to discuss today. Bill, do you want to take that one step further? Yeah, it's funny you say that, Steve. And I I don't have a black cat at my feet, but I I have my tiger cat at my feet at my house. It's it's funny how things work that way. But uh, yeah, it's Halloween season. And I had, and my, my crew, the entire staff had a very interesting experience, which was, talking points for, geez, at least a month. And, you know, one thing led to another. And uh, I, I'm excited to share this with the audience. You know, the story we, came up. I don't remember how it came up. But was, uh, one day in the office, started talking about it. And I was laughing. And I, I barely believed you at first because it was such a good story. And I was like, wait, we have to mark off a day on the calendar to tell this and make a Halloween story. It's such a good story. No, and I appreciate you thinking of that. You're you're always thinking of uh, you know things like that that we can incorporate into you know our, our game plan here. And being Halloween, it only makes sense. We own a 16 unit at 104 108 North Allen and an eight unit at 89 North Allen Street. One property is right next door to 102 North Allen Street, which I knew the owner for probably 12 or 13 years as I owned these other properties, him and his dog, old guy, didn't say much. And I probably said five words to this gentleman in all these years of being his neighbor. And it was unfortunate that he passed away and eventually when someone passes away, it goes to his estate and, you know, someone's going to buy that property eventually. So that it was probably uh, five or six years ago. And fortunately, after sitting on the market for a while, the estate overpriced the house. I, I had no idea the condition inside, but, you know, eventually they reduced the price to an amount that caught my interest. Now it's okay if this property can be purchased at a realistic amount. And depending Okay, so 102 North Allen is the haunted property. And is this a <laughs> single family duplex? Yeah, it's a single family. So I had lukewarm interest originally because I'm not a, you know, yeah, I flip single family homes from time to time. But you know, single family homes, uh, you know, sometimes can be decent rentals, but wasn't my focus at the time. Mm-hmm. So you didn't so, jump on it right away, but 
one no. of them for a little while. No, I just, I just, you know, it, it was overpriced and it didn't make, make sense as a, as a rental or even as a flip at the time. And I'm, I'm busy doing other things. And uh, eventually, you know, it went from uh, being, you know, like a hundred and fifty thousand dollar offering to down to slowly but surely got down to about a hundred and fifteen thousand, and that's when it caught my interest. Mm -hmm. You know, so eventually, I I took a look at it, saw the work that needed to be done. No one else was jumping on this at the time, you know. So uh, fortunately, I was able to make a you know, a low offer and, you know, get it at a price that, you know, made sense to us to buy it at value. And as a rental, it made sense. So what happened after you, you started looking at it seriously for yourself? What was next? Well, we bought the property. We were able to just uh, utilize uh, our, our private lender at the time, buy it cash, um, very reasonable terms. Goal was to fix it up and refinance it, put it in the portfolio and, and play. We were playing Monopoly on North Allen Street at the time. So, you know, this purchase was now one of probably 14 or 15 properties we had in a you know, four or five block radius. So, so that was the, that was the play at the time. So we bought it in uh, right after, right before Christmas of 2015 or 2016. And, you know, sometimes it, it takes a little bit, you buy a property, we got a lot, lot of other things going on. So it may sit for a few days or a week as we're, we're planning our process. So one day I, I come up to the property after we had purchased it and front door is open, not open, but unlocked. So I'm like, oh boy. So I walk in and see a strange trail of copper scraps, the brass doorbell chimes are laying on the living room floor. And, you know, it just didn't make that much sense how, you know, you have the scrap metal trail from the front door through the living room into the dining room. The only thing I was thinking of, shit, someone broke in and based on what I'm seeing, they stole the copper downstairs. So I hurry into the basement and I was correct. All the copper in the basement was gone. And so at this point, you were just starting to work on it. So you had materials laid out around the house. We didn't even start working on it yet. It was, it was, we just purchased it maybe a week ago. And I was just getting in there, probably just, just getting my reps in, you know, looking at it again planning the rehab what are we going to do what is the potential and you know as yep. the owner you know I'm, I'm basically by myself you know doing that job and knowing that i'll probably have my workers in there in a week or two you know to start executing the plan and if someone's going to break in and steal copper they don't usually leave scraps so that's what really caught your attention right yeah. And, and that's, you know, as I was laying this out last night, yeah, I, I'll get into that where it's like, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, scrappers don't leave anything behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, getting back to, you know, buying this building just because it was right next door to our other places, you know, and, you know, Thomas Morrissey was our neighbor with his old dog. He was this old guy with disheveled hat and always had like a, a flannel shirt on, the Dockers. So it, looking back, it's it's almost picturesque of, you know, what we experienced at this house and, and, and how this guy was. So it was, it, it's very interesting looking back. And yes, we, we bought this building because, you know, Thomas unfortunately had passed away. And, you know, when we did buy it, you know, the interest level was buying it cheap. And there was a lot of deferred maintenance. There was a lot of updates needed in the, in the house. You know, he didn't even have a, a, a functional kitchen sink. It, it literally had a piece of plywood over the sink. So wow. I didn't even know what he was using. I think he was using the bathroom, um, first floor bathroom for, for whatever he needed for his kitchen. And then he had a, a large master bedroom upstairs with this strange vanity sink kind of hodgepodge hooked up um, where it almost looked like it, it, you know, he, all he was able to do up there was brush his teeth or, you know, whatever he had to do to utilize plumbing up there. So the house is kind of disheveled, as you mentioned, and that, that might speak to the character of the previous owner. At, at this point, you purchased it, you're ready to start doing maintenance, and the copper gets stolen. What happens next? Yeah, so, you know, part of that planning process was, first of all, lock the house down, making sure that, that uh, you know, we're not going to get broken in again, because now you feel now you feel violated. And, you know, at that point, it's just like, okay, someone out there knows that we have this vacant house and they know the condition, they just got the copper. So as we're rehabbing it, now I've got to make sure that, you know, we're going to protect ourselves from them coming back in and taking uh, building materials that, that we, we buy throughout this process. So that was my mindset at the time. And nothing else, but now it's okay, it's December, there's no heat, there's no water. Ultimately, the goal at this point was to have the heat on, you know, because he had a good boiler in there. So that was the one thing with a project like this, I at least thought I was going to be able to just turn on the power, turn on the boiler, and we have heat. So everyone's comfortable being able to build and, you know, it's comfortable building and allowing building materials to dry with heat. So now we just take, took two steps back in this process. No water lines, no heat. So I had to restore that. So in this business, you always seem to be looking for, for maintenance guys. At the time, I believe I had three guys helping us and... I was looking for a fourth. So I had just hired somebody, a young kid that was going to be an addition to the maintenance crew. And part of the reason why I hired him was he was coming from a, um, an HVAC company and he claimed to have skills as far as boiler work, um, restoring water lines or just hooking up that type of plumbing. So I quickly hired him knowing that, ah, I know how I can test this kid. You know, the first job he's going to do is, is restore all the water lines and the lines to the boiler that were removed. 
But you and him had no idea what you were getting into. We had no idea what we were getting into. So it was this young kid. He gave me a material list. No, no other guys on the crew had been there yet. Other than uh, I'll get to the, to the technician that lived next door at 104, 108 North Allen. He had, he was the on-call guy. So, you know, he had access to all the keys and, and, and stuff like that. So he was able to look at the building whenever he wanted, whenever he had, you know, curious time. So I get the material for this young kid and, you know, we get a game plan on how to restore everything in the basement and off he went, off I went, I don't have time to hang around. I've got a lot of things to do. So I get a call from him not too much later where he's freaking out. So he's like, who else is working in this house? What's going on in this house? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, there's footsteps upstairs. I went upstairs. No one's there. This went on a couple times where he's claiming that as he's working in the basement, trying to get some work done, you know, he hears footsteps. He goes up and no one's there. So I show up and, you know, nothing, you know, what, what are you talking about? So this, goosebumps already. Yeah, no, I, I thought this was a new kid. You know, at this point, I'm just like, get to work. You know, yep. I'm, I'm a no-nonsense guy when it comes down to, you know, when, when I was running a crew and we had to get work done. It was just like, oh, boy, I got a new guy. He's talking nonsense. This, you know, now I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, this kid's not going to work out. But could you hear in his voice that there was some some Looking back, fear? yes. Looking back, yeah. yes. And, and... That was his last day. I didn't have I didn't have to let him go. Um, he actually left some some tools behind. He never came back. Didn't come back to get his tools, and I never heard from this kid again. So, so he was working in the basement. Called you, said I hear footsteps. You said get back to work, and he said I'm out of here. Not necessarily. It was, and I wasn't I wasn't a really tough guy type boss, but it was in so many words where it's just like, all right, let's refocus. Let's get back to work. Da, 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 da. You know, I was the type of guy, if, if the result wasn't happening after a couple weeks, three weeks, sometimes a month, I was the type of boss that, you know, would, would wait a little too long to let someone go. Cause I always wanted to give people a chance. And this guy, I didn't have to give him a chance after he worked there for four or five hours that day. I never heard from him again. He never called me. I never called him. He didn't want, he didn't even call me to get paid. So it must have really spooked him. (laughs) So it was, it was interesting, but still, I didn't think anything of it. I thought the kid was over his head. He had no idea that I was going to say, hey, do this very skilled work. And he was just like, oh, shit, this guy wants me to do all this work that I claim that I could do. And I didn't know that he was going to have me do this on day one. And he just couldn't deliver. That's what I thought. What what happened next? So at, at that point, you know, he was long gone and... Steve Rhodes, the my on-call emergency tech, lived next door, and I had mentioned it to him. 
And, you know, Steve was a quirky guy, you know, he's well into his fifties and a real interesting guy, uh, you know, very skilled at maintenance work, but, you know, I felt like it was a lot of the times, you know, you're dealing with a teenager, you know, in, in certain ways, if, if you get my gist mm-hmm. and I mentioned it to him and he's just like, oh yeah, the place is haunted. I'm like, what? Because he, so you know, this is the first time you're hearing this. Yeah. And he's he, just like I said, he's a curious guy. So, you know, he had been in the house because it's right next door. He knew we bought it. He knew that we were going to be rehabbing it. So he's curious. So he's walking it and, you know, he's explaining to me. He's like, yeah, you know, there's footsteps going on in there. I was the only one in there. There's footsteps in there. He's like, he's like, you don't believe in ghosts? I'm like, I don't know if I believe in ghosts or not. I, I, I kind of believe in many things and, and I don't know if I believe in other things. I'm a real open-minded type person, but come on. And so is this when your mind went back to the copper incident? Not yet. Not yet. It, you know, Rhodes was a quirky guy. I, I, yeah, I can't, still weren't convinced. I can't stress that enough. Um, you know, but he threw that out there. So shortly after, you know, we're doing, you know, we own a lot of buildings. So I'm at another property with my main maintenance tech, Matt. He was installing a hot water heater um, across town. And I was talking to him about it just, just out of fun, small talk. And another maintenance tech, John L., came over to drop Matt off some materials that he needed. And he kind of caught the, the tail end of the discussion. And John L. at that point was like, you talking about 102 North Allen Street? We're like, yeah. He's like, the dead guy's house? I'm like, yeah. He's just like, I was back there like a month ago behind 102 and 104 North Allen because we had a parking lot in the back. He's like, the, the curtains are opening and closing and no one is there to open and close these curtains. Oh, no. So, no, I'm like, what are you, t-? you know, so it's always like, <laughs> give me a break. Are, are you bullshitting yeah. me? Ba 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 He's like, no. He's like, that that place is is screwed. I'm like, why didn't you? He's just like, I don't know why I didn't mention it. It was just, you know, it really didn't make that much of a difference at the time. But there's something weird about that house. So me and Matt are like, all right. No one wants to be the crazy guy who said I saw moving curtains or I heard so, footsteps. So me and Matt, the main guy, my main maintenance tech, you know, I think we're looking at each other like, all right, we've got a bunch of screwballs that, that work with us. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, you had the young kid. He's gone. Matt barely even knew him. He just knew of him based on taking off after a few hours. Steve Rose was, was interesting in his own way. And, and so was John L. But... You know, it, it was funny. It was funny. So now we're getting to a point where we have to dig into this house and 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 do some work. And now Matt is at the property, and the plan was to install a or build a master bathroom off the second floor master bedroom because it was huge. So it, it was a, a great improvement to turn this huge master bedroom, put a master bath, and now you had this, this, this suite set up on the second floor. So 
he had to do demolition to do that. And he also had to open up the walls in the dining room below so he could run the plumbing from the second floor down through the first floor walls into the basement to tap into, you know, the, the sewer main and, and the water lines. And, you know, Matt doesn't think anything of it. He was a highly skilled, you know, no nonsense guy, didn't say much, but, you know, the, the type of guy that, you know, he could just look at you a certain way and, and it was like, oh, whoa. So no one messed with Matt, you know, that that's the type of guy he was. And one day he calls me. And he's just like, hey, Bill, I have no problem working in here, but I'd really appreciate it if you didn't have me here alone. I'd like to have another guy or two here working with me because I'm opening up the dining room walls. We have no heat. We have no power. We have no water. Nothing at all other than just a vacant house. And the heating lines are, are throbbing and banging. And Matt has been doing this type of work for a long time. And knowing this type of work, you know, he's able to very logically say, okay, I know what I'm doing. And pipes don't throb and bang when there's no power or water or anything. It, it, they just don't. So he wasn't at the point of, I need to get out of here, but it was, I need someone here with me. He might have, I don't know if he, he didn't scram out of there, but he was, he was qualifying everything basically, you know, because once again, Matt, Matt's not a, a wussy type guy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this guy is a, a, a hard construction guy and uh, you know, I, I think had a certain pride about himself. He's a man. He's a real man. And yeah, I can't imagine working on a house and everything's <laughs> supposed to be shut off and silent and all of a sudden you're banging on the pipes. Exactly. So when it came right down to it, I think at that point I started taking it a little bit more seriously or very seriously because now I had Matt who, you know, was uh, – was, uh, I, I wouldn't have my main maintenance tech, you know, if he was off, so mm. to speak. And, you know, I, I was probably there shortly after and arranged to have another guy or two there so we could at least get the demolition done. There was, there was a lot of demolition done so we could prepare for the build where, you know, we had to tear out the kitchen cabinets, tear out the kitchen floor. Um, you know, he was preparing the upstairs bathroom. We had to do, you know, uh, wall preparation, getting it ready for paint. At the same time, I believe I had scheduled a plumber. Um, you've heard me talk about um, Bob Jones over the years. You know, I, I he might not have been able to get there immediately. So oh, by now, he may have just gotten there or a couple of days later started the work down in the basement, get the pipes back into the boiler and our water lines restored so we could get heat on and water to the property because we had to do that ASAP so we could functionally do this job. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, so at that point, now we have four people who are experiencing this stuff. So the only thing at this point is, okay, something's going on here. Something's going on here. And now I'm concerned. And, you know, I'm bringing, I probably already brought this story home to my wife, Gretchen, where, you know, it's a fun story. And, you know, you're trying to make sense of it. And you're looking back now at the copper scraps. Yep. And exactly what you pointed out in the beginning, if, if anybody's in this trade or been in the city or, or dealt with people that, 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 you know, scrap metal, it's their habit to, they take every morsel. So mm-hmm. now I'm like, those burglars were terrified when they left there. They wouldn't have left a trail. They went in there, they broke in, they probably broken into many places. They did what they had to do in the basement, tearing out lengths of copper. You know, um, they saw the, 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 the antique doorbell on the dining room wall, which had two really long brass chimes. And I walked in that morning and there were bits and pieces of copper and then those chimes laying there. So they, they ran out of there. They ran out of there. For whatever they heard, it was enough. They ran out of there and now it's making sense to me. Okay, the burglars got terrified. That was a no-brainer. The young kid was terrified. He never came back. Steve Rhodes, he believes in ghosts. And he's like, yeah, there's ghosts in there. (laughs) (laughs) It's a normal day for Steve. John L. is, is, you know, uh, this this native of the city of Albany who, you know, I didn't know what was in his mind. But, you know, he had his experience from a month before that when the guy had already passed away. The property was on the market and it was it was empty. And, uh, you know, Matt had his experience and now I'm just connecting the dots and my wife, Gretchen, who at the time, you know, these types of projects, she was, she was the designer. So she would come in and pick the paint scheme and, and plan the, the granite install, pick the kitchen cabinets, the bathroom fixtures, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, she's like, I ain't going in there, you know, and, and it gets to a point where it's just like, okay, you know, cause I'm like, we. I know we've got some type of a weird house here, but I, I still have to, I've got work to do. We've got it. We've got a lot of money invested mm-hmm. in this house and we've got to do it. Someone has to go in there and work. <laughs> exactly. So at, at this point, I don't know what the end game was going to be, but I still had to do business. So, you know, she agreed at this point where Matt was going to be there with a couple guys because it only made sense. And, you know, she was comfortable going there as, you know, as long as there was a couple guys there where, you know, so everyone's comfortable. So it got to a point where I pretty much had all hands on deck in this house where we're doing the demolition, the basement plumbing's being done, Matt's building, you know, Gretchen's planning her job. So eventually we're hanging sheetrock. 
we're preparing the walls to paint, we're planning the kitchen cabinets and the fixtures and stuff like that. No, nothing. This stuff doesn't all happen all at one time. It's a process. And, you know, the, the, the rehab probably went on for two and a half, three months, you know, so now we're, you know, a month, month and a half in, and there's people there on a regular basis and nothing else happened. Um, you know, I, I guess I have to step back just an instance and before, you know, the walls were put back together, I was the guy that would go to Home Depot and buy all the materials, um, you know, for these types of projects. So I, I recall being a Sunday night, I was at the YMCA or going to the YMCA before it closed on a Sunday because it closes at like six. So I had to go to Home Depot, buy like 30 pieces of sheetrock for this project, went to the YMCA and had to deliver this that Sunday night. So Matt would be able to work at 8 a.m. Monday morning. And, you know, I don't like to scramble around on Monday. So I, I, I like to get this stuff to him on Sunday. So I had to deliver a truck filled with materials, you know, at eight o'clock on Sunday night to this haunted house. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so but at the time, you know, I'm kind of in the mindset of Matt, you know, where, all right, I've been doing this type of work for you know, 20 years and uh, I'm not afraid of no ghosts, you know, yeah. where it's just like, whatever, you know, but who am I kidding? You know, the, the, the story was, was, was built, the story was told and, you know, I delivered all the sheetrock to the front porch. You know, normally I'm bringing it in go. the house. <laughs> you didn't go inside? I think I went in because I'm, I'm just like, everybody else has experienced this. So I've got to give it a shot, but what's your mindset Sunday night at eight o'clock? It's pitch dark. And now I'm like, okay, I want to go in there and experience a ghost. It's also cold. We're talking what January now in upstate New York. Yeah, And the house is still like in demolition mode. You know, the sheetrock yeah. is on the front porch. I, I, I had enough courage to do that. And I went inside and I think I walked from the living room into the dining room, into the kitchen. And then probably in less than 30 seconds was, all right, everything's good in here. See you later. You know, out of there. I wasn't going in the basement. I didn't go upstairs. I, I, so I, you, you never experienced any supernatural. No. no. But there was enough experiences from people that you trusted to make you believe that there was something definitely going on here. Absolutely. Everybody that was in there dealt with it. And I just, I was just the guy that everybody reported to. And, and, and this whole story just evolved, not only through the crew, but to my wife, Gretchen, who was planning on working there, who eventually did work in there. And and, you know, we built the walls, we painted the walls, we, you know, did what we were planning on doing in this house. We made this house absolutely beautiful. It was this unique stucco finished house with this interesting floor plan, very unique to Albany. So it was, it's, it's North Island Street, which we did so much business at. 
And I knew that we could get, I think at the time we were getting like $1,800 for rent was the goal, which we ultimately did get. So with that, we put in a nice kitchen with granite countertops, tile floor, you know, the upstairs bathroom off that master bedroom was all tile, really nicely done. Refinished the hardwood floors. We made this place very, very nice. So did you end up selling it or renting it? Well, I ended up renting it. So, you know, now I'm in that last month where I like to, okay, we're a month away from, from being done here. Now I'm already proactively thinking, I'm like, all right, I got to market this thing for rent. Yep. So now I'm online. Okay, I'm a real estate broker. I just experienced some crazy shit. And we're finishing this house soon. And what is my obligation to the marketplace on uh, renting a haunted house? Mm-hmm. So, and I knew that, the, you know, you learn about some of this stuff through some of your real estate continuing ed and stuff like that, where it's touched on for a, for a tad, you know, of what type of disclosure is necessary with certain real estate, you know, obviously... What- Material defects and yeah, you're you're obligated to let the buyer or renter know if there's certain issues with the house that 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 you you have to disclose. But there's no disclosure laws on haunted houses. Uh oh. (laughs) So I didn't have to disclose. That's the end of your experience with the house. So I rented it to these three girls that were young professionals crossing my fingers that I wasn't going to get a call saying that we just rented your house and it's fucking haunted. And, and nothing ever happened, right? Nothing ever happened the way that I made sense of it throughout this process leading up to these to renting it and, and, and not experiencing any negative feedback was we tore into Thomas Morrissey's house that he had lived in there for I don't know how many years. And he was not happy with having his copper tore out. He that, was, was, that was the first. Someone someone broke into his house first. Correct. And he wasn't happy. He was not happy. He was not happy with us demo, do, you know, doing demolition to his walls. Yep. And next he had a, he had a young kid in his basement. He doesn't know what's going on. Doesn't like it. He's not happy with someone in his master bedroom tearing the floors out. You know, we're preparing it to put in a master bath. We're, we're tearing apart his house. He's pissed off. Starts banging on pipes. (laughs) Or whatever. And then as that timeline happens, like right around when my wife was there and now we're building, now we're making it beautiful. Thomas, we knew each other. We, We didn't say much to each other, but I was a guy that was running a 16 unit building right next to his house. And Everything was always pretty kosher. And I think that we had a, a certain respect for each other as neighbors. We never had a beef with each other. And, and once uh, you got to the point of fixing up the house and making it look pretty, he was he was okay. He was happy. That's it. 
That's it. And maybe having three young women in his house didn't upset him too much and he never caused a problem. That's how I made sense of it. That's how I made sense how of else, it. How else can you? That's it. And and we, we rented it to those girls. They lived there for probably two or three years. We rented it to uh, three younger guys shortly after that. And, um, you know, sold it in October of 2020. It, there's enough there for it to be considered a haunted house story. <laughs> Whatever. The the copper scraps. That's the one that gets me. Well, there was a... There the cops was, didn't call you, so it wasn't like the police showed up or anything. So something happened. I did have the police there after the copper scraps, but in, in cases like this, the police show up and say, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make note of it. Yeah, but it's not like the police called you and said, hey, we saw these people. No. They, they, they didn't see them breaking in and showing the flashlight, and that's why they ran out. Something happened while they were in there. No, I called the police the next day, brought them over. They looked around. They took note of it. And what are they going to do? Just just like in a lot of, lot of cases where, you know, once it's done, it's done. But I can tell you one thing. The, the, the burglars never came back. During, you know, they didn't break back into this house. Yep. As most supernatural stories go, there's no hard evidence here. And you didn't even experience anything yourself. But there's enough where... You start getting a little bit of goosebumps talking about it. Well, and and this is how I make sense of things. A lot of things in life, especially this story, is as we're going through the process, I still didn't have still didn't have the balls to go in there and deliver my sheetrock. But you know, once how often in the media do you hear of somebody being attacked by a ghost? I don't think I ever have. So I'm able to make sense of it through this process of, okay, I I care about my guys. I care about Mm. people that I'm sending in there to work. But, you know, I I don't know of any evidence of of a maintenance technician being attacked by a ghost while they're doing work. If it was a good ghost, you wouldn't leave behind (laughs) any evidence. (laughs) So that's the story. I think that's a good uh, good Halloween story, a good Halloween special. It, it has a little bit of real estate investing in it, but it's a lot of uh, Halloween fun as well. Yeah, cash flowed really well. It it uh, it, it uh, you know to to really wrap it up on an investment investment basis is you know we bought it for eighty five grand. I was able to utilize my commission as a real estate broker to to lessen that price uh, two or three grand because I got three percent off. We put about uh, thirty-five, forty thousand dollars into it, so we're into this thing for uh, I don't know, one hundred and twenty, hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. We rented it for eighteen hundred bucks for four or five years. Sold it for uh, one hundred and eighty-five. So you know we uh, you know we made a nice margin on it. It, it cash flowed for four or five years, and uh, you know that's the story. So that's a, that's a good flip, a successful flip. And another little piece, as we were looking up information for this episode, we, we Googled the previous owner. And according to a lot of records on Google, he's still alive and he's 84 years old. Yeah, as I, as I was preparing for this last night, you know, writing this up, I had to Google it because I was Googling the hell out of it, you know, five years ago because I was freaking out. Um, but yeah, I look up Thomas Morrissey, 102 North Allen Street, Albany, New York, and uh, you know he's now 84. 
You know, as as of last night, he was 84 years old, but uh, he had passed away, uh, you know, at least five or six years ago. But he might still be hanging out in that house. We hope everyone uh, enjoyed the episode and has a happy Halloween. Thomas Morrissey's a real nice guy at this point. Thank you.